90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. My name is Maddie Erskine, local music director. Recently, I had the wonderful opportunity to chat with hip-hop artist and activist Shutescat Martinez, who just released a new song called El Cielo. We talked about the song, his musical inspirations, and his journey as a climate activist. This is El Cielo by Shutescat. Reach out and take my hand oh, Open up your eyes, I'ma show you who I am Escucha mi amor, tengo mucho que contar Medio complicado, mi pasado tan real Una historia de amor, quien sabe que será, que será Espejo del cielo, me lo dieron sin pensar Como mis ancestros, elders ready in the stars, yeah Boy to a man, I'm the product of a border in the sand, yes I've been awake, I'm sick of the cold I'm acting okay when I'm really afraid No one don't know, yeah. I'm here to tryna get by yeah, How we gon' live right? We didn't come here for free, yeah. we didn't come here for free, yeah. I've been wide awake, I'm sick of the cold I'm acting okay when I'm really afraid No one don't know, yeah. I'm here to tryna get by yeah, How we gon' live right? We didn't come here for free, no Born alone, die alone I pray she be my in-between The inconsistencies of how I feel Ripping at the seams This country wasn't made for me They eat the fruit my people pick Grown on stolen soil flow And oil her broken hands and sip the water The trauma run as deep as the love The culture kept alive A secret from us, yeah It's as red as the road I walk It's all that I know It's as deep as the pain It's my family home I've been one awake I'm sick of the cold I'm acting okay when I'm really afraid No one don't know, yeah, yeah I'm here to tryna get by yeah, How we gon' live right? Oh, we didn't come here for free, yeah. We didn't come here for free, yeah. I've been wide awake I'm sick of the cold I'm acting okay when I'm really afraid No one don't know, yeah, yeah I'm here to tryna get by yeah, How we gon' live right? Oh, we didn't come here for free, yeah. Used to pay the price, pay the price, yeah Mira me, mira me, mira me, mira me, mira. Yo nací con las fronteras dentro de mis venas, no me esperes. Mira me, mira me, amanecer, amanecer. It's the pain and price. Well, first, I'd like to say congratulations on your new release, El Cielo. Um, it was awesome. <laughs> Great job. That's super cool. Um, would you like to talk a bit about what it's about? It's a very personal reflection um, and story uh, that kind of outlines and, and explores some of my different experiences around family separation um, and looking at kind of just the violence and fear, you know, that surrounds and is perpetuated by the United States um, immigration immigration system and uh, looking at identity and mobility migration borders um, it's it's a little bit of you know looking at the fear around that and also just like the love that I've always witnessed transcend uh, human-made borders um, and is 
Yeah, I think a lot of my music is, has been very external in, in the different causes that they, it is covered and, and things that it is talked about. Um, this one is definitely speaking on important social issues from a very like internal, personal experience. Um, and I'm grateful for it. It's, uh, it's doing, it's just been beautiful to see how it's very much my story and it also is related to a lot yeah. of other young people. Oh, definitely. It's it's a beautiful song, too. Um, you mentioned in an, an Instagram post that it was created by you and your family and your friends. Um, so mm. even as you've grown as an artist and your career has grown, you continue to create music like in your own community. Why is this so important to you? Definitely. I think music is is um, something that can just connect you to the whole world and to people everywhere. And it's helped me build relationships and friendships with um and yeah, just grow, grow community in places I never thought I would, I would have it, you know, whether it's like, um, the people I've met through the scene out in the Bay or, you know, in, in Frankfurt, in Germany, you know, yeah. at, at different clubs and, and, and venues and, um, and, and at the same time, you know, there's, there's just like the people that I have always and will always make music with my, my sister, my producer Jaya that I met when I was like 12. Um, and, yeah, at the end of the day, like the music is written for uh, yeah. my community, for my people. And, um, you know, as 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 global as as the audience and as as the uh, the opportunities get, you know, we'll always come home, you know, to, to, to cut the records. And and, um, and yeah, so I'm grateful to, to have that supportive kind of base and family, you know, that has been there and supported the growth from day one. Yeah, absolutely. Your sister was a bigger, a big part of this song, correct? Didn't she kind of help bring it to life? Yeah, I mean, she performed. We we wrote the song before my first headline tour, um, and she and I wrote the song, and she just helped bring it to life on, you know, every show that we played. I mean, she's just an incredible vocalist, and if you listen, if you listen closely to the track, you can hear her 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 voice like throughout the whole piece. Um, not saying any worries, but just like the, the sounds and the background vocals are just like really, I think almost like one of the main instruments that yeah. you can hear that give it a lot of texture. And, and um, you know, the mixtape comes out next Friday and there's going to be on the 16th and there's other songs on there that she is all over too. Yeah, I say, I think she performed uh, that song with you when you toured and you came here with Jaden and Willow. Yeah. I think that was part yeah, of your yeah, set. Yeah. I remember that song because I remember it being like gorgeous. I was like, "This is this is beautiful." Mm. Yeah, no, she she adds a whole other layer to it. It's, it's really it's really beautiful to be on stage with her. Yeah, it's awesome. So your music is definitely a huge part of your activism. Uh, what are some of the bigger mm. struggles you've had with making this kind of music? You know, like having yeah. politics involved in your music in a way. Definitely. Um, I honestly just the biggest. Yeah, there hasn't been a whole lot of barriers or, yeah. or or roadblocks I think it's I think because I like understand what the vision is and the intention is of, exactly yeah of the music that I'm trying to create you know it's, it's not I don't know a lot of people create art purely for profit or mm-hmm. or that's like really commercially driven and like while I think a lot of the music and a lot of the new music specifically is going to appeal to like global audiences and to people that wouldn't have listened to the older stuff like mm-hmm. at the end of the day you know I think my art is shaped and my creativity is really shaped by like my commitment to continuing to put what I believe in and, and what I've always fought for you know 
into the music and weaving it into the stories. Um, and I think the music is is more than just political and it's more than just like cause driven or related. Um, and at the same time, I think there is something profound about um, I don't know the way that the way that it gets crafted and in um it's just been a, a beautiful journey. I think the hardest part of the journey is just been like able to balance this kind of music with the organizing that I do and with like the traveling yeah. and, the, and the speaking and like especially the last couple of years but during this pandemic it's been good to have more time to be able to kind of just like be locked in you yeah know? Um, I think that's been a big benefit for a lot of people while the pandemic is you know is awful yeah. and it's really hard it also Absolutely. gives everyone a lot you know a little bit more downtime and reflecting time I think a lot of mm-hmm. people have had time to kind of reflect on what they've been doing and you know absolutely yeah i mean it's really like i'm very privileged to mm-hmm. not be like i'm still able to like make a living and yeah. like do do what i need to do and like a lot of folks aren't that privileged and a lot of artists especially independent artists or independent venues like are really put out and work like and that's really hard and i'm seeing a lot of my friends struggle and like how to how to keep pushing so you know my, my heart is really with, with the folks that have yeah it's but, heartbreaking for sure we've seen some venues go in fort collins and it's been it's been tough yeah. to watch <laughs> it's been tough to watch Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I don't even know when we're going to be able to play shows again. Just like, mm-hmm. thought of, just like the trajectory, like things just haven't really gone better. Yep. And a lot like overall, like not significantly. So I'm, it's a big mystery. I'm waiting <laughs> and seeing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, who are some artists that inspire you in your music? Just like. <laughs> um, there's a lot of Latin artists that I love yeah. um, that are super influential. Manu Chao is mm-hmm. one. Um I grew up as a little kid listening to his music. He's not a rap artist. But yeah. He, uh, you know, I, I just love his sound. He has this album called Clandestino that came out, I think, in the 90s. And that has been, like, a, a consistent, like, background um, top album that I've listened to. And, and a lot of his lyrical content and his poetry, and he, he's he's singing in Spanish, English, French. Like, yeah. he just does it. And, and, and I think it's very... Uh, uh, iconic you know, like a lot of the the sounds and the, and the samples and the way that mm-hmm. he does use like weird like samples in his tracks and stuff like I really like that um yeah. and then in you know obviously like Kendrick and his storytelling and like that yeah. you know there's a whole wave of, of like younger artists too that are that are I'm just also really inspired by like Amine um mm-hmm. and there's this artist named Nati Peluso oh. from um Buenos Aires from uh, like in, in South America and she's just like so next level rapping and bringing in so many like traditional Latin elements into her music coffee yeah. is so dope um, and like I mean Lauren Hill is definitely one of my my biggest you know inspirations um, but yeah I think I, I draw from like a very kind of broad uh, yeah different amounts of inspirations and what I love about hip hop too and how it's kind of evolved as like a as a global music culture and has influenced and has its hands in, you know, everything from reggaeton and like Latin trap music to mm-hmm. Afrobeat and, and artists like Burna Boy and like Coffee yeah. and like people who are, you know, it's not like hip hop, hip hop, but it's, you know, they're, it's connected, right? And, and um, I'm just, yeah, I'm hyped to build with, with different artists that like bring these different elements to the culture. Yeah, definitely. Hip hop's such a wide genre, which is why it's just so, it's so cool and interesting because you can bring so many different elements of other music into it. And yeah, it's an awesome genre for sure. Um, so, kind of go back into like activism and some things that you've done. Um, 
you began your activism at a very young age, like six-ish. Um, so what inspired you to do this? I know both your parents are pretty involved, but has your activism changed over the years? Like, have you found yourself kind of not necessarily leaning towards different views, but like growing as an activist and how you present your case and information? I think the last year for me has been like the most transformative um, time. Yeah. Know, to really reflect and, and think about where I came from and think about, you know, the organizing that I've done in the past and like the community that I was brought up in and the values that I was surrounded and the blind spots, you know, the things mm-hmm. that I didn't learn at a young age, the things that I missed out on, the things that weren't emphasized in my upbringing. Um, yeah. That, uh, you know, a, a lot of like challenging that and a lot of excitement in how I'm going to uh, grow, grow through it. And uh, I think right now, specifically like the organizing work and the involvement in these different causes, I think is taking just a very different, uh, taking a very different approach and it's, yeah. this pandemic specifically you know I'm, I'm usually on the move 24 7 like touring you know different universities playing shows speaking interviews pro- like different projects all over the yeah. place and the stillness is really like facilitated a beautiful opportunity for me to be like okay like what what value am I really adding to this moment you know like what do I really have to bring to this and, and really questioning and, and looking at just like a lot of the flaws in the climate conversation and in a lot of these spaces that, of people talking about the climate crisis that aren't intersectional and aren't censoring, you know, front lines voices um, and are just kind of perpetuating, pushing like, I don't know, false solutions or like yeah. very thin ideas for people to latch onto. Um, and so I'm, I've been really interested in going deeper personally and like learning and informing myself. And I've been doing a lot of reading like since the summer and like, I, I don't yeah. read really ever. Yeah. I'm trying to get better and at reading myself. I started kind of reading again. Yeah. Podcast, everything, just like in, in inundating myself in, in information in a really positive way that empowers me to think about things more critically. And like, I mean, the, the Black uprising that has happened mm-hmm. in the movement for Black lives, like that definitely like opened my eyes in a different way too, to um, a lot of really beautiful conversations with a lot of my friends that are organizers that yeah. are, you know, like Black leaders and how just the intersections between Indigenous and, and Black struggles and um, and just really like the failure too of like, I think the climate crisis as a whole to be a justice oriented um, yeah. space, you know, and and, uh, and the work that needs to be done to kind of turn that around within different organizations that I work with. And so it's been, it's been a lot of growth, a lot of like challenging these initial ideas that I've had and um, ensuring, you know, really thinking about what, what does holistic change look like, right? What does holistic transformation for a society look like? Um, and it's, yeah, so it's it's I don't have any answers, but like I'm yeah. I'm it's been a great exploration for sure, especially this last year. Yeah, definitely. Um you do a lot with youth activism and there's that common idea that you talked about um with your video with Sunrise movement that young people aren't involved with politics. Um mm-hmm. obviously you've definitely seen this to be untrue from your experiences. Uh do you want to just chat a little bit about, you know, your involvement with youth youth activism and, you know, empowering younger people to get involved? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, youth are, you know, the the spearheads of of, um, of transformative change, you know, that, that happens in different generations and, and at different time periods. And I think young people have been pivotal um, as an organizing force in transforming the conversation um, around the climate in the political arena, specifically in looking at, you know, an organization like Sunrise that does a lot of really awesome political organizing and uh, 
just to see, you know, the amount of pressure that they've applied to the democratic establishment um, to like, yeah, just get their, get things together, you know, and really look yeah. at the climate crisis as, as it is, it is one of the most pressing issues of our time. It is one of the things that our generation is thinking about more than anything. Um, it is one of these like top defining issues and in, in, like yes young people organizing is a big part but like applying pressure to these political systems you know I think is, is really important and I've seen youth um, really empowered when they understand that their voice oh like we are yeah. the constituents of these politicians and we actually you know can have like hold weight yeah. when we show up when we demonstrate when we when we strike when we organize when we um, put pressure in, in, in set standards, you know, and we really like are transparent about these politicians' records and what we, what we acknowledge too, like mm-hmm. what role they have to play in the future that we are building. Um, because electing a politician isn't always like the, the end all be all solution, yeah. right? Rare, it rarely is actually. I, I don't know if it ever will be, regardless of how incredible or, or transformative or, or, or yeah, totally valid. that politician is. But, um, but yeah, so young people, I mean, I think when we can frame the narrative and the conversation in the sense of like these youth are the ones that are really driving the change and, mm-hmm. and driving um, and, we, and we can educate young people around like what that looks like. And I think that's when we can do a lot. Um, so you're also, you were a part of the Juliana versus United States States case, which is currently awaiting a ruling to see if you guys get a rehearing, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you like to talk a bit about that case and what you hope the outcome will be if you do get that rehearing? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, th- this case has had, I mean, we've been in court for five, six five, years. Five years. Yeah. yeah, it's been so many ups and downs and waves um, with the litigation. And it's been, you know, I've learned a lot from it. And uh, I think it's inspired a lot of people and, mm-hmm. and you know, we, we've made it further than anybody thought we would, you know, Definitely. and uh, continuing to push forward with, with, you know, these ideas and, and with this being one of the, you know, the pillars of, of how we are organizing um, politically in the streets and in the courts, you know, kind of yeah. being a, a piece of it. And so it's been pretty on hold, you know, during the pandemic, like things mm-hmm. have slowed down and, and things are getting processed in court has been slow. And, um, you know, this, this case has been a lot of like, hurry up and wait, you know, yep. like one big thing will happen and it'll create like a lot of buzz or a lot of media attention or like a lot of like cause for me to have my eyes on it. And then yeah. maybe like kind of a lulls where we're just waiting for, you know, oftentimes these like older white men to like tell us what they think and how yeah. to interpret the law. And, uh, so we're kind of in that place right now. We're, we're waiting to, to, for this rehearing. And, and, um, I guess the hope is, is that this will bring forth, you know, the, the precedent for, for the courts to enforce concrete uh, climate action, you know, and, and I think it has to come from a lot of different directions. And I think the courts will be a, a powerful place for, for some of these conversations to be able to be so just, yeah, additional pressure to be applied. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. What yeah. does concrete climate action look like to you, like in our government or other governments? Yeah, I mean, there's different models and there's different ways of thinking about it. Um, and I know that the the case specifically has mm-hmm. like its own framework for, for for what what they would build, you know, mm-hmm. for for this idea of of climate recovery, you know, a climate recovery plan. Um, and I think you know, base 
like the basics are just like to stop to keep fossil fuels in the ground right yeah like to stop burning fossil fuels um and at the same time that's like not enough like literally we have gone to the point where even if we discontinued all use of fossil fuels everywhere today like we would mm-hmm. still see impacts of runaway climate change for like decades um so we have to do you know there, there, it's, it's more than just a carbon issue you know it's really like a, a systemic issue a systems issue yeah. right our economic system our our everything from you know medicine to transportation to you know food agriculture like it's just dysfunctional and it just exists on this exploitative extraction based economy um so i think our economy needs to change and um our transition away from fossil fuels can't leave you know people can't can't leave workers behind it can't leave pipeline builders behind it can't leave mm-hmm. you know um frontline communities that that run have been forced into relying you know on on fossil fuel extraction as their like livelihood um and so i think the, the framework of like a just transition to mm-hmm. ensure that you know uh fossil fuel workers are transitioned into a new energy economy that black and brown and indigenous communities are you know prioritized when we talk about creating millions of of, of like quality jobs yeah like clean energy good. jobs specifically absolutely. is a big yeah, part absolutely. of that case retrofitting I... buildings like yeah. reimagining transportation systems um yeah, like there's um, there's a, a lot of work to do, and like it's a it very complex issue for sure. <laughs> very complex issue. Is it going to get done in time? You know, parts yeah. of it. I hope you know. And and um, yeah. So we'll we'll see. And and there's a lot of political work. There's a lot of like policy. Like and again, I'm not like a policy expert either. So mm-hmm. it's like the way in which like I you can have a vision for it, but then the way that translates through policy is like very different, right? And the way that that policy translates in practice is also very, very complex and like a lot of nuance. Um, and yeah, so, I, you know, the Green New Deal is like one framework, um, like a working framework for some of, some of these ideas that I think is dope. And, and um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see where we, where we go in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so is there anything else that you've been working on either with like Earth Guardians or Sunrise Movement that you'd just like to let listeners know about before we wrap up? Um, I think now it's just a, a really, like, really extraordinary moment, a really yeah. remarkable moment that we are in right now. And a lot of people are mobilizing around the election. And, mm-hmm. and I think the work begins the day after, you know, the election, yeah. regardless of who's in power. Um, and so I think there's, there's a lot of projects that really need to go into continuing to build organizing power. Um, and I think we've seen that in the streets, you know, in the U.S. over the last mm-hmm. um, several months. And um, a lot can change when we do the work of beginning to imagine new realities and new systems in place. Um, and when I and when I hear people talking about like, oh, like, you know, that's not realistic. Like, how are we going to pay for that? You know, mm-hmm. like, people lack imagination, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think being imaginative about the future is like, are we just supposed to be like complacency is, is will kill us, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and so I, I see the future existing, the creation and the continued fostering of like where we're headed as a, as a species and as a society begins with like this collective imagination of something new. And the reality that like we as humans create and do like remarkable things and there are the resources and there is the wealth to, mm-hmm. to enact these projects and to do the work that needs to be done. Um, and fundamentally at the end of the day, it's gonna come from the bottom up. Like 
it's going to come from people organizing and mobilizing um, to reclaim political power, to, to, to build people power, to be able to enforce that at a, at a local level, at, at national and state levels. Um, you know, the climate crisis, I think, puts a lot of pressure on us as far as the timeline, too. So, you know, there's, yeah, there's campaigns and projects that are going to be rolling out over the next while. But I, I just like, encourage people to, 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 to be present in, in this in that understanding, you know, of this moment that we are in, and it goes a lot deeper than the election or than, you know, um, what happens in November is like the work, the work is about more than just one politician, really, only one politician or, or putting one person in office. And, um, and we need, we need everybody, <laughs> we need everybody to, mm-hmm. to, to be doing something because like, this is all, all of our struggles are very connected. Um, so yeah. continue to acknowledge that, and, you know, the work will be, work will be done in a really good way. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people who might want to try to help out with, you know, climate activism or something along those lines on like where to start? For sure. I mean, Earth Guardians is a, is a platform and a project that mm-hmm. works with communities all over the world um, and just supports and builds a platform for youth to, to tap in, use your voice, use your creative passion, whatever it looks like to engage in building solutions. Um, Sunrise Movement also kind of mm-hmm. does more political work, climate justice oriented work. Um, I really have admired and love the work that Sunrise Movement has been doing throughout, you know, the last year. Um, and I encourage you all to check them out as well. There's chapters, there's the Sunrise Hubs, you know, in cities all over the United States, you know, all over Colorado. Yeah. Um, that are doing really awesome political organizing. And it's, it's really dope political home, you know, for, I think, for a lot of youth um, who have, like, a, a vision of a, of a more beautiful future. Um, and, yeah, I just encourage anybody who, who goes forth, like, to really assess and understand the intersectionality of like what we are fighting for, you know, um, 